Exodus 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. Well, friends, we're looking uh, this evening at uh, this uh, 33rd chapter, and it's all about really the, the presence of God. On the one, one hand, God is withdrawing his presence, and on the other hand, as you see and you read on, if you're familiar with the chapter, you know Moses desires God's presence to be with them. He cannot do without the presence of God. He cannot go on without the presence of God, as we'll see. He must have it. He desires it. This is his longing. This is his prayer, his earnest prayer, his earnest desire. Lord, you must go with us. You must accompany us. You cannot leave us. Now, why would God want to leave them? Well, we saw the reason why last week. Uh, they had uh, Moses was up there in the mount receiving the law from God, receiving instructions of the tabernacle. Aaron was being called to set aside to be the high priest. And what was Aaron doing down below? Giving in to the people. There was Aaron uh, yielding to the people who had said, Make us a God. We don't know what's happened uh, to Moses. He's been up in that mount for such a long time. Perhaps he disappeared. Perhaps the Lord's taken him away. We don't know what's happened to him. Make us a God. Make us gods, they said. Well, Aaron complied. Aaron compromised, as we saw. And instead of making uh, gods, he made a God, and he tried to uh, spiritualize and leave some sense of Jehovah uh, in the worship. But of course, it was downright idolatry. Uh, which happened there. And the people who wanted a visible representation of God got one and bowed down to that golden calf and said, these are our gods that brought us up out of the land of, of Egypt. And of course, because of that, Moses, when Moses came down, he broke those two tables of, of the commandments which he was carrying in his hands, a sign that the covenant with God was broken uh, he didn't do it out of a fit of anger or, any, or anything like that, uh, but to, to demonstrate that. And then we, we saw in verse chapter 32 and verse uh, 10, actually just before he'd gone down, the Lord had already told him what was happening below. And the Lord had said, Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them. So angry God was, and righteously angry, uh, with the people, that he wanted to consume them, to destroy all the people, and off Moses to create a new nation. Let my wrath wax hot against them. Leave me to do that, Moses. But Moses wouldn't allow the Lord to do that, and he interceded on behalf uh, of God's people. And by earnest intercession and arguments, as we looked at last week, he prevailed uh, with God. Uh, for the preservation of the people. 
Now, when we come to chapter 33, it's, it seems, uh, uh, if we just follow it through, as if this is the next uh, uh, incidence in, uh, uh, chronologically. Uh, it seems as if this, these things happened after chapter 32. But Calvin points out, and I think he's correct uh, in, what he, in, in this, that it's more likely that these events occurred, uh, at, uh, occurred before it, uh, probably before chapter 32, and verse 34, where the promise is given, therefore now go, lead the people unto the place which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, mine angel shall go uh, before me. So it's quite likely that uh, the events of chapter 33 happened before uh, that uh, promise was given to the people and the reassurance given to Moses that God was going to go, go with him. Why? You may ask in chapter 32 and verse 34, does the Lord say, Behold, mine angel shall go before him? Why did the Lord promise to, uh, this? The angel there, uh, you see, is with a capital A. It's the angel of the covenant. That's the pre incarnate Christ. The Lord is reassuring Moses, uh, the pre incarnate Christ, uh, the angel of the covenant, yes, uh, he will go uh, with you. Uh, he will go before you. Why did Moses need that reassurance? Well, friends, it's because in, when we read in chapter 33 uh, here, uh, it's in verse 2, or well, verse 1, the Lord says, tells to Moses, depart, go up uh, into the land that you have brought, which thou hast brought the people out of the land of Egypt. Go to the land which I swear to give to Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, and so on. And then verse 2, and I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and so on. The angel there in verse 2, you can see, is with a small a. And then there God is saying, well, I'm, I'm going to send you, you uh, Moses, go forward, lead the people out uh, to the promised land. I will be with you, but I will be with you at, from a distance. Uh, here I'm going, to, I'm going to withdraw my presence from you, not entirely, but I'm going to withdraw my presence and let a created angel, an ordinary angel, uh, look after you. He will be my instrument uh, through which I uh, lead you to the promised land. You'll get to the promised land. You'll, all those enemies will be driven out from you. But as for me, as for my presence, it's going to be at a distance from you. I'm not going to be in the midst of you. Before, the Lord had said the tabernacle was to be in the midst of the people, a sign that God would dwell with them. God himself would lead them uh, to the promised land, take them, as it were, by the hand to the promised land and, and bring them in. Here he's sort of withdrawing his immediate presence uh, from them and is saying to them, by a created angel will I lead you uh, into the promised land. Well, Moses is not entirely happy with that. Moses doesn't want that. He's okay, uh, that's okay, uh, maybe for some people, but for Moses said, no, we want your presence uh, to be uh, with us. That's what he is desiring. God threatens to withdraw his presence uh, from the midst of them, but Moses uh, is not comfortable with that. He is not content to just have a created angel, God using that to lead them in. He wants the Lord to be near them. He wants God to be with his people. And so he wrestles uh, for this. 
and he wrestles in prayer. And then the Lord, as it were, gives in. And he says in verse 32, okay, mine angel, uh, uh, chapter 32, verse 34, verse mine angel shall go uh, before thee. This is, uh, this is the, uh, 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 the thought uh, here, um, the Lord conceding uh, to Moses' uh, request. Well, friends, God uh, here was, was saying by this, when he said in chapter 33, and verse, verse 2, I will send an angel before you. Uh, he, uh, God was saying he was not going to desert them entirely, that they would be kept, they would be protected for, uh, but from afar and uh, from a, a distance via the instrumentality of this angel. Well, as I said, Moses was not content with such an arrangement. I wonder how many believers are living like that. Are there believers uh, today, I'm sure they are, who are content with such an agreement, an arrangement, that God, they're happy for God uh, to, uh, to live uh, at a distance from God. They're true believers. They're true Christians. They love the Lord. They're saved Christians. Um, but they're not as they were before. They're not as they were in their, when they first came to know the Lord or uh, the, the days when they were fervent and zealous for the Lord, they've sort of settled to a life where God is uh, not, uh, not so, they're not so close to the Lord. They're not walking with the Lord in as close a way and as fervent a way and as zealous a way as they did in their early uh, days. And they're happy to be in that sort of a condition. They're saved, they're going to heaven, uh, they have some answers uh, to prayers, but it's not the same as in uh, previous times. They're regular at church, but it's all gone a little bit formal uh, with these friends. The worst thing about it is that they are content with such a situation. There's no drive like that with Moses. No, we're discontent. We don't want you, Lord, to be just afar off. We want you to be near us. We want to have many answers to prayer. We want to know your blessing. We want to be conscious of, uh, of going on with the Lord. We want to know your, your presence uh, with us. There's nothing of that. They're just happy. Oh, we're going to heaven. We know we're going there. We'll just wait for that time uh, uh, when it comes. Well, friends, Moses uh, is not like that. There should be, the, if we're in such a position, there should be an earnest seeking, uh, isn't it, after something more of God of what they had before. Oh, that it were with me, as in times past, as we, uh, somebody said. Or verse, uh, I think it was Job. And then in verses 4 uh, to 6, uh, we see the, the people responding uh, to what the Lord had said. The Lord had, had said that, uh, I will not go up in the midst of this people, verse 3, for there are stiff-necked people. And uh, he told the people to put off their ornaments, the jewelry, that they were wearing as a sign uh, of uh, repentance. Verse 4, the people heard these evil t tidings and they mourned. Uh, the, uh, the withdrawing of God's presence uh, was to them evil tidings. That means they were greatly uh, distressed. It caused them great distress to hear that God would no longer presence himself among them. They mourned, it says. Now, whether it was genuine mourning or just an outward mourning, we, we do not know. But there is some sign of repentance on their part. 
And this putting off of that, that jewelry, that adorning of themselves is a sign of their repentance. But look, they're, they're not immediately told you're forgiven and I'll come back amongst you. God says there in verse uh, 6, uh, sorry, verse 5, at the end of verse 5, Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. He sort of keeps them in a period of suspense, as if uh, to let them await and uh, be, to see what he would do uh, with them. And there's a, a lesson for us uh, even here, friends. Repentance is not an easy thing. Repentance is not is something, it's a difficult thing. We know this when we're first coming to the Lord. It's not, it wasn't easy for us to turn uh, from our sins. We found it a hard thing uh, to do. And if we fall as well into some terrible sin, and if we backslide uh, from the Lord, and we go back to being and acting like a whirling, become so cold in our love to the Lord, well, it's not going to be easy to come back to the Lord. Yes, God will forgive us if we come back. Yes, there is mercy, there is grace, but it's, going to be, it's, a, it's an uphill task still. Uh, to repent, uh, especially if we've gone a long way uh, from the Lord and if we've fall, fallen into some terrible sin. During that time of unrepentance, well, we lose, isn't it, a sense of God's favor and blessing. God will hide his face from us if we continue in sin, in some serious sin. Christian joy will be withheld from us. Backslider is filled with his own ways. Backslider has no real joy in the things of God. He goes through uh, the, uh, the, his prayers. He goes through his devotions. He goes through his Bible reading. But he doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't find the Lord precious in those times. The Lord is, is he's, it's getting something from him, maybe very little. He, he comes to church and he goes out the same person. He's not really benefited spiritually from it. Because his heart is more in the world than it is in the things of God. And to regain God's favor, well, friends, uh, he has to, uh, he's been made perhaps even to wait for a time uh, before he realizes again uh, these blessings. It begins, repentance always begins, isn't it, with a mourning as well over our sins and a humbling of ourselves and a coming to the Lord the, as if we are coming to him for the first time all over again. But there is a mercy with God. And uh, we see this withdrawing of God's presence from the people uh, even in the next few verses. Verse 7, Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. Now this tabernacle was not the tabernacle that uh, the Lord had instructed Moses uh, to build. That was only in the design stage. He'd had the, Moses has the plans. He, has the, uh, he knows what God wants, but the people haven't built it yet. Uh, it's still... Uh, that's, that's, that's still to come. Uh, but here it's another tent. This is here called the tent tabernacle of the congregation. It's the place where Moses, on behalf of the people, met with God. And this is now moved 
uh, from uh, the, the, the center of the people and the, the congregation, and it's moved out without the camp. Again, to show that God is withdrawing his presence from the people because of their sin. And uh, yet it's not entirely bad news for them. There is still hope because they can, uh, they can almost, as it were, see that, uh, the tabernacle of the congregation. They can see that tent. So it's not gone so far away that, that it's beyond them and beyond their reach. There is still, uh, God is still saying, yes, I'm upset with you, I'm angry with you, but there is still uh, mercy uh, even uh, there. And we see that in verses 8, uh, 9, uh, and 10, where, uh, where the people, uh, first, uh, first they sought the Lord. Uh, we read in verse 7, and in verse 8, when, whenever Moses went out to that tabernacle, he came and went a few times. Now all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And verse 9, uh, they stood at the door uh, of the tabernacle. Sorry, beg your pardon. It came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with, with Moses. And again, verse 10, whenever that happened, the people rose up and worshipped every man uh, in his tent door. So it's, it's as if whenever Moses was going out, the people were at the tent door and the people were as if giving a visible demonstration to Moses. Moses, here we are. Uh, here we are. We are, we are with you. Uh, Moses, we have put off our ornaments. We are we are showing signs of repentance. Moses, plead for us when you go into that tent. Plead for us with God that he will have uh, mercy on us. Remember us. I think that's uh, that's the thought that's uh, conveyed to us by these verses. And it's typical, isn't it, of Christ, our mediator, that uh, he goes into uh, the tabernacle. He is our advocate with the Father, just as Moses is here, the mediator, and advocating with God uh, on behalf of the people. So also Christ is our advocate with the Father. 1 John 2, verse 1. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. But then we come to verse 11, and this is a very interesting verse. Uh, Moses, uh, the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. What amazing words uh, these are. And it speaks of Moses who is admitted into very intimate uh, uh, communion uh, with the Lord. In Numbers 12, we read that other prophets uh, were, were spoken to by the Lord through dreams and visions, but with Moses face to face. Not that he saw God's face. God doesn't have a face like we have faces, but it's speaking of the close communion, the warm fellowship that God uh, has uh, with Moses, the sweet communion that as a friend with a friend, they are they are speaking of things uh, together, just like friends. Well, they have things, in have things in common. And because they have things in common, they have a lot to talk about, common interests. Uh, so it leads to more intimate and more uh, closer uh, fellowship. The more things you have in common with somebody, well, the more uh, uh, communication uh, there is between the two of you. 
And Moses had much in, in common with God. This is important, friends. Moses had a lot in common with God. God's interests were his interests. God's name was his concern. The glory of God was in his heart. God's purposes was what he was concerned about. God's people was what he was concerned about. These are the things that were so much in his heart. These are the things that he, he mulled over and he thought about and he desired God's glory and God's purposes to be fulfilled. And because he had these things which were in common with the Lord, so he enjoyed a closer communion uh, with God. And the same could be said even uh, for us. The more, friends, you and I are aligned with God's purposes, when his concerns are our concerns, when his kingdom is our priority in life, when we're concerned for lost souls as he feels and cares for those who are perishing and out of the way, when the church is a, a, a thing that is uppermost in our thoughts and our prayers and our hearts, even above our own selves, when we're concerned about the church as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, when the, we're concerned about the truth of God and are not content to just leave it and let it lie low, but we're concerned even to contend for the truth. Well, all these things, we are aligning ourselves with God. Well, the more intimate will be our communion with the Lord. The more the Lord, I'm sure, will draw uh, nearer to us. But if we're absorbed, on the other hand, in the things of this world, if we're absorbed over much in other things, well, then uh, we, we, we'll, we'll probably enjoy uh, less our fellowship uh, with the Lord. But look at verse, <coughs> excuse me, verse 12, where Moses uh, pleads for God's presence to continue with, with them. Uh, and Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Moses pleads uh, with God uh, to continue with them. Not He doesn't, uh, as it were, uh, want this ordinary angel, but he desires God to bring them into the promised uh, land. And he, he begins his, his intercession by mentioning the relationship that he has with him. Lord, you have said to me, I know thee by name. That again speaks of the, the connection that I am one of your children, Lord. I am one who has found grace in your eyes. And on the basis of that, Lord, verse 13, I pray you, if I have found grace in your sight, since I am your child, show me now uh, your way. Oh, it would be an interesting study, I think, if you went through the Bible and looked at the ways in which the Lord called people by their name. You think of uh, Adam at the beginning. Adam, where are you? Uh, or uh, the Lord, what the Lord said about Job. Behold my servant Job. Or then oh, the angel who came to Daniel. O oh, Daniel, greatly beloved of the Lord. Such personal messages. The Lord knows our names. The Lord knows those who are his in a personal way. He knows our situations. And uh, this is what is implied here. 
I, I know you by your name. I know you as one of mine. You are the children. We don't know everyone's names in the world. But those who are precious to us, those who are dear to us, we know them by, uh, by their name. And the same here. Every believer can say uh, these words, Lord, you know me by my name. I have found grace in your sight. I have found mercy uh, in you. Therefore, hear my prayer. It's not arrogance. It's the right kind of confidence uh, that we are to have and are allowed to have. And so uh, the Moses prays, show me your way. What, are, what is your intentions uh, for this people? And at the end of verse 13, and consider that this nation is thy people. They're yours, Lord. They belong to you. They're in covenant with you. Yes, the covenant has been broken, but don't leave them. Don't leave them, Lord. That's what he's pleading for here. And so in verse 14, the Lord yields. My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee a rest. Well, Moses, that's an assurance given to Moses that he will not just deal with them from afar, but will be with them and close to them. And yet Moses goes on to say how much he just values the presence of God. Uh, verse 15, if your presence go not with me, carry us not up uh, hence. He's, uh, he, what, in effect, what he's saying is, Lord, we so much desire your presence. Even if we went all the way to the promised land and we inherited the land, and we inherited all the good things you have prepared for us in the land. All those blessings will be nothing to us if you are not with us. All those good things that we may enjoy in Canaan will be as nothing, Lord, if you are at a distance from us and we do not have you in our presence. Your continued presence, Lord, is everything to us. This is what... Uh, we uh, desire. This is what uh, is our longing. And this is the church's prayer, isn't it? This is the church's prayer, verse 15. If thy presence go not with us, we could say, carry us not up uh, hence. O oh Lord, that we may know uh, your presence in the work uh, here. O oh Lord, that we may be assured of your presence whenever we gather together. We don't want to be like some, sadly, some of the uh, uh, churches in our land, the institutions, the Church of England and so on, many of their congregations are just gathering together, but the Lord is not there. The Lord is not there. And uh, many are using his name, but the Lord uh, is not there. But we want his presence uh, to be uh, with us. Well, how can we be assured of his presence? Of course, by prayer, by earnest prayer uh, to the Lord, but just as individuals identify with the Lord, so also as a church, we are to identify with God's purposes. And as we identify with those things that we have in common with him, uh, then uh, he will be uh, with us. Uh, a church that is prayerful, a church that is battling for the truth, a church that is serious about a holy living and holy worship, Church that is serious about evangelism and going out into the, the community where God has placed that church to witness and 
even if people, no matter what the response, that we're faithful to do that. A church where there's gospel preaching, all these things are uh, things which the Lord, uh, we can align ourselves with. This is what God wants for his church. This is how we will be as, a, as his church. Do you remember uh, when the, before the Lord ascended in Matthew 28, uh, he said to his disciples, Lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of time. And the context of that is what? Discipleship. Go out and make disciples of all nations and teach them, evangelizing and teaching the people, and then, lo, the promise comes, I will be with you. It's as we are aligned uh, with the Lord and with his uh, purposes that we will know uh, of a surety even his presence. But also, uh, very much, we want to be in prayer uh, for, uh, for this. Verse 16, the, Moses says, uh, in your, by your presence being with us, well, then people will know that we have this, uh, that we are a special people. This is what will distinguish us from, from other nations and other people. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And then verse 17, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Now Moses doesn't stop there. One would think he would stop. He's, ob he's obtained the Lord's presence now, and uh, the Lord is going to be with them uh, as, as he was before, but he doesn't stop there. And he, in verse 18, he says, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Well, we, I'll only touch on this uh, now, and perhaps uh, in our next study we'll look at it a little bit more. But Moses asked to see more of God. It's not possible for him to see the divine essence. Uh, no man can see the divine ass essence of God and live even in heaven, even in glory. The angels do not see the divine essence as such. But he does desire to see something more of the Lord's glory. <laughs> we have to we're a bit marvel at this uh, request of Moses uh, because he's already seen so much. Moses, you've already been entrusted and privileged to see uh, such a number of things. You, you had the burning bush experience where the Lord appeared to you and spoke to you. You've had audible voices, uh, the audible voice of the Lord. Forty days you were up with the Lord on that mount uh, in, in intimate communion with God, face-to-face -face communion with, you had with him. And Numbers 12.8 uh, uh, suggests that he even saw something of the similitude uh, of the Lord, something physical uh, representation uh, of him. And yet still, after all this, uh, he still desires more. Oh, friends, if you're, if you're a believer, and most of us here are, well, you know exactly what Moses is feeling because once you have some knowledge of God, you, you're, you're, you're happy with what you have, but you want to know more. And you sort of never really uh, come to a place where you say, that's enough, Lord. I, 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 I've got enough now. There's this dual aspect to us as believers. On the one hand, 
We've come to know the grace of the Lord. We've come to know uh, uh, forgiveness. We've come to know Him in some measure and His attributes. And that contents us and pleases us. And we, we're overjoyed with what we've found. Yet at the same time, we want to know more. We want to go on. And our cry is, Lord, show me more of Yourself. Show me more of who You are. Show me, let me have more of that your grace and your, uh, the knowledge of you in my life, if we're in a good place spiritually, that is. If we're going on with our Lord and walking with him, this is how uh, we, will, we will feel. On the one hand, we are content, and on the other hand, there's some measure of discontentment, a good discontentment, because we want to know the, the Lord more. The Apostle Paul, remember, uh, he as well, uh, being to heaven, and uh, seen the risen Christ and received the gospel, received great revelations from the Lord. And yet, what does he say, Philippians 3? That I may know him, that I may know him. He's still hungry and thirsting, thirsting uh, to know the Lord in a, a, a deeper way. And so it ever is with us here on earth and even in heaven, isn't it? We'll never fully know all that there is to know. Always appreciating and yet always growing in our love uh, for him. Well, the Lord says, I cannot show you all my goodness. I cannot show you rather all about myself. Uh, that would be too much for you, Moses. And I just summer, uh, praise it here. Uh, but I will make, verse 19, my goodness pass before you. All my goodness. I will give you in some measure uh, some insights into uh, my attributes, those attributes of mine uh, which are pleasing and delightful, as mentioned in, in chapter 34 and verse 6, the, great, the mercifulness of God, the graciousness of God, the long-suffering of God, the goodness, the truth of God, uh, these things uh, he will make pass before them. But look very carefully, verse 19, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. So he's going to see something, but he's also going to hear. It's going to be a proclamation uh, from uh, the Lord. And uh, this is uh, also something that we should bear in mind, uh, that he would hear a voice as well as see something. Calvin again uh, says, true acquaintance with God is more by the ear than by the eyes. So that's so very true and so necessary for us to hear that uh, today. So it's not possible for Moses to see God's face. He's a finite creature. He cannot bear uh, the full weight of seeing the Lord and uh, unable to take in all, but God will reveal a part to him. And from a cleft in the rock where the Lord is going to hide him, uh, and then, as he passes by, uh, he will see the back parts of the Lord. He will see a part of him, but not the face. And we'll look at that, as I said, God willing, in our next study. But friends, as I conclude, let us then, as believers, as a church, pray earnestly uh, for the Lord's presence uh, to be uh, with us, to save and to bless uh, the people who come amongst us. Let us secure his presence by continuing uh, in the work of making disciples and of preaching the truth and of seeking 
uh, to save souls. Oh, may the Lord bless these words to us. Amen.